0: Jerry and Tracy,
2: Polly, and their dog Ninja. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Midweek, Episode 15. I'm Jerry,
0: and I'm Tracy.
2: We have a cool story to start off with. One I alluded to uh, when we had uh, Lee Solway on from. Oh yeah. Remember, uh, remember, Realm of the Supernatural. What the hell's wrong with me? It's like I remember the Titans. He would not in that. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> We got that story on, and then we have one of our favorites on tonight, Jack Kenna. Yay! Jack's awesome. He uh, Very obviously awesome. he's from Paranormal Witness, mm-hmm. Haunted Case Files, Haunted Hospitals, which is my, one of my new favorite shows. Oh yeah! And uh, so many other things. Of course, he's a paranormal investigator thing. But Jack's always a good time, and he's going to be on a little bit later with us. So let's get this puppy rolling. I like I said when Lee was on from Realm of the Supernatural. He was talking about, um, in his story about the the poltergeist, he was talking about, at one point, some rocks and stuff being thrown. And I mentioned to him there was a, a story that I couldn't remember all the details, but it was about a family that, that there was these little pebbles and rocks being thrown, like allegedly just falling from the sky. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't remember all the details. So I decided to look it up. So this started on June 11th of 1682 several witnesses and it lasted for several days actually like into a, like over a month so the location was the Walton family home and this was in Newcastle, New Hampshire so to make the story even more credible this was a very the Waltons were a very prominent family in the area so it was nighttime and they were in there in their home so they start hearing a sound that they thought was hell pounding off the roof they went out to check out the sound see what it was and was amazed at the sight. There were tiny pebbles, some, some of them were actually bigger stones that would cause a bruise if it hit you, mm-hmm. falling from the sky. There was enough of these stones falling to actually cover the ground, just like it would be if it was hail or snow. The sound was so loud that the neighbors started coming out to see what the, all the racket was. Oddly enough, the Walton House was the only house that was actually being pelted with these stones. Wasn't Ooh, happening wonder, to the other houses.
0: I wonder if have had a tin roof. That'd be cool.
2: <laughs> I'm sure it would be extremely loud. <clears throat> Word spread like wildfire. Soon, people were coming from uh, all over the place to see what was going on at the Walton House. They wanted to see the strange weather phenomenon. Uh, and if that wasn't crazy enough, after seeing what was going on outside, they fled inside for shelter. As you would imagine, you know, the family's like, "Okay, this is crazy. I'm going to go inside." Well, it was raining pebbles inside the house as well. What? There was a few inches of rocks covering the floor, they said, when they got back in the house. No windows were open. No windows were broken. It was literally coming from the inside. So the dad George was sure that somebody was playing some kind of elaborate prank on him.
0: Well, hell, where would you get that many pebbles?
2: Well, that's what I'm saying. He didn't didn't know how, but what else made sense? So he went back outside into the onslaught of fallen stones to see who was to blame and how in the hell they were doing it. He had no luck whatsoever, as you can imagine. It appeared as though the rocks were falling straight from the sky and not being, like, catapulted from somewhere else. Yeah. George... Moved his children out of the house, for safety reasons, obviously. Unfortunately, no matter where the family went, the stones followed. Schlepprock. Not making Keith actual stones. Followed. Mine was funnier. No, it wasn't.
0: Schlepprock. <laughs> do you know who that is?
2: I do. It's off the Flintstones.
0: But he always had bad things following him. And his last name is Rock. I get it. Get it? so anyway the rocks followed them yeah the rocks wherever wherever they they went went. the
2: rocks followed that's where got that's a bummer so George was desperate for answers and he got a pile of these stones and he painted them white and he locked them in a secret location soon after white pebbles started raining down on the house so then he went to a secret location and the stones that he had placed there were gone and he was the only one that knew where they were it defied all logic according to him. So we mentioned several witnesses. One of them was a gentleman by the name of Richard Chamberlain, who was the secretary of the colonies of New Hampshire at the time. That was a pretty big position.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He was adamant supporter of the family and, and that this whole event was authentic uh, and there weren't nothing, no pranks or hoaxes being uh, performed by the Waltons themselves. Scientists actually started coming from all over the world to investigate the phenomenon. Their goal was to either find a rational explanation or to debunk it as a hoax. Most left angry and confused. They couldn't come up with a single rational reason or find anything that looked like a hoax. They were just completely baffled by the whole situation.
0: So they witnessed it
2: happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Eventually, it just stopped. It didn't taper off. It just stopped as suddenly as it started. No scientific proof provided, and with the Waltons' impeccable reputation, it was decided that witchcraft could be the only explanation. They accused an old woman who lived near the Waltons, and everybody around seemed to be happy with it, and with, uh, with that decision, and that's how it ended. I don't know what happened to the woman that they accused. How ain't you just going to do that? Uh, we're talking about the 1600s. That's what they did.
0: That's... Is a bummer. But at least it stopped. Thank gosh. Yeah. That's crazy talk. <laughs> they must have done something other than an Indian dance to make it rain. What kind of dance? Oh, I'm sorry. A Native American <laughs> dance to make it rain.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was crazy. But I knew I'd heard that story. And that's that's not the only... There's a story over in Great Britain, too, with when the houses are, are being pummeled with stones like that because i heard it on the uh unexplained podcast wow that's nuts <laughs> so it's not the first time it's happened yeah or i think that might have been the first time that was the first time it happened because this other one was later later on i think yeah. maybe even in like the 1970s or something yeah i have to go back and find that episode yeah
0: that is a very odd
2: so anyways let's listen to jack kenna our buddy from haunted case files Hey, guys, we get to have an old friend on the show, uh, Jack Kenna. You know him from Haunted Case Files, Paranormal Survivor. Uh, he's all over Facebook. Him and his, his buddy, Michelle, do a bunch of live Facebook feeds that uh, are always entertaining to watch. Jack, it's awesome to have you back on the show, my buddy.
1: Thank you, my friend. Always good to be back, Jerry. I appreciate it. I love, uh, love being on your show. you're uh, always a lot of fun. We always have a good time.
2: It's been a while. It's been almost almost two years, I think. It has, it has.
1: But any any time we talk and stuff, we just always have a good time, you know. Yeah, it's it has been it
2: has been a little while.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so why? Yeah, why haven't you invited me back or sooner?
2: You know. <laughs> we, <laughs> The last time, the last time I sent you a message, it took you like three months to even look at it. So yeah, that's I, know, I know. It's it. All, it is my fault. You're right about
1: that. <laughs> it, it is. It 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 gets crazy sometimes. You know, you know. Uh, so Jack, and, and, it, and it happens. It's not only you that happens to either. Trust me. Trust me.
2: So Jack, you're an author. You got you got uh, a book out that you graciously gave to to me a couple of years ago when we were at Scarefest together. Uh, You run a paranormal investigative team. Actually, a couple of paranormal investigative teams. Um, You're all over the travel channel. (laughs) And you work a full-time job. How do you find time for all this? I I criticize my schedule, but as I told you earlier, your schedule beats the crap out of mine. I I don't know how you do it.
1: I don't know either. It just happens. I don't know. I guess it's just about time management, which doesn't always – work out the best either trust me i have troubles with it and i just made it just made it more difficult for myself too because i'm now uh uh teaching paranormal classes at a couple of local colleges um uh not on a regular i mean well it's it's twice twi- it'll be twice a year um they're only uh, non-credit courses uh so it's like uh, it goes on for a month it's four days a month with an investigation an actual investigation in between uh the third the, the third and the fourth class because there's like i said there's four classes um we do them wednesday nights uh one is through hudson valley community college and the other is uh through uh, schenectady county community college um here in new york um so uh, f- the fun thing is uh, we did it. We did it actually for the first time uh, this past October. Went really well. We had eleven students. So it was really good. And we used my book, uh, Paranormal Research, as the course text, is the official course text uh, for it. Uh, the school picked it up, or I should say, the college picked it up for that. So it, it's great, and, and it's all done through the college. So everybody pays for the college. I'm, I'm hired as an adjunct teacher. Uh, At these locations Um, Which is pretty cool Yeah, I like it that way I don't make a lot of money off it But I'm not really concerned about that You know me It's all about (laughs) reaching out to more people Help teach people more about the paranormal And this is mostly gated around people Who want to get into investigating uh, And how to get started So it's a paranormal 101 course Uh, We will actually be holding a, a 102 course Uh, later in 2020, probably in October 2020, uh, again at Hudson Valley. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to be doing Schenectady as well, but we'd definitely be doing it at Hudson Valley Community College. And uh, that'll entail, that'll get more into, deeper into uh, doing client investigations or investigating historical sites, things like that, much more into in depth into it. Uh, the 101 course kind of covers the basics with equipment and stuff like that. So, um, in any case, yeah, doing a lot more. Uh, I, I've added more stuff to, to my uh, my busy schedule. Um, I did get away from doing the live shows and stuff with Michelle DeRoche. Uh At the time, it was just becoming too much. I was getting overwhelmed, and I cut back on quite a few things. I even stopped um, doing picking up any new investigations towards the end of last year. Uh, just because we were getting overwhelmed, we had too much happening. So we cut back, we finished up the investigations we had, and uh, so reorganized and getting ourselves back in into the swing. Um, so yeah, I did stop doing the the radio show uh, and stuff with Michelle for... for uh, I kind of quit that. Although I probably am bringing it back, at least uh, a small... One hour little thing Tuesday nights Uh, matter of fact, I think I'll be starting that next coming week. Uh, Mm -hmm. It'll be just one hour, just a Q and a session thing and that's it. Um, and that's for people who just have questions. So not really a show show, just a question and answer session for an hour once every other week or once, maybe once a week, we'll see what it's going to be. Um, but definitely once every other week to start with. So so yeah, we're doing that too. Yeah. Lots of stuff, lots of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, uh don't have any plans for any new shows at this point. I got enough feather already out there. Uh-
2: <laughs> yeah, save some for somebody else, Jack. <laughs> hey, hey, you, know, hey,
1: you know it is what it is you know there will be a new show that, that I think will be coming out um, in 2020 that's already actually was already filmed uh, we told our I told my backstory of, of how I got it what happened that got me into the paranormal and in that particular case it actually got me out of the paranormal. Um, but that is already airing up in Canada right now. I, it may have actually finished airing. Uh, I think it's called my uh, my Paranormal Nightmare or something like that through Our House Media. But I think it'll be coming down here to the states in 2020. I'm not sure when yet. Um, but it has aired in in Canada already. I do know that much. Sure For it's airing right now in Canada.
2: But well, Jack, the one thing that I want to say is. is- you know, my, my granddaughter, Dakota, she's, she's yeah. mentioned several times on the show that you're her favorite paranormal investigator. <laughs> you're also my favorite paranormal investigator. And it's oh, not yeah. for any other reason than out of everybody that I've met in this industry. Yeah. Nobody is a nicer person than you are. I'm not saying there's some that that aren't as nice but yeah. nobody's any nicer. You are a top notch human being for several different reasons that most people listening will never know. Yeah. But it's just the things that you give back on. And, you know, you made a comment a while ago and, and, you know, when you said, you know, I'm, I don't make much money off of it, but, but that's, that's who you are. I mean, you don't do things for the money, you do no. things for no. helping people. And, uh, you yeah. got total credibility in my eyes for that. Well,
1: thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, me and our team, Spirits of New England, and the other teams I'm, I'm also involved with, I mean, that is what it's about. It's about helping people. Um, and, and I'm a little bit selective about certain teams I get involved with, or even ones I've helped start, because even ones I've helped start, I said, I always remember this, you know, do it for the right reason. Do it because you want to help people, not because you want to find a way to make money. It's not that there's anything wrong with making money. Don't get me wrong. I mean, some people, that's what they that's what they start out in for. They want to... They want to make money. They want to get their own TV show and stuff like that, and that's fine. I got nothing against that. Um, it, it, it's just not what I got into it for, and, and we all have our own reasons, right? Sure. I mean, uh, but for me, it's it's, it, and I've got a good job. I mean, that pays the bills and stuff, and and uh, so it's more for me about really trying to help people. I mean, it it goes in in in, in alongside side-by-side side with my faith, um, my beliefs, you know, that you, you, you pay it forward. You, you try to do for others as you would want them to do for you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I try to do the best I can to help people. It doesn't always work out. Um, sometimes things just, you know, some people you can't help or sometimes situations uh, come along that you just you can't help. Um, but we do the best we can you know, and we do all that we can. And at least you can say that much. I gave it my best. I gave my best shot, you know, and did the best I could. And some sometimes you, you are able to help people. And when that happens, it's it's great to see their lives turn around and things change. And uh, because that's one thing about doing doing cases, especially residential cases, in order for you to really help somebody to to get things to turn around for them yeah you can go in and and you can find out what's happening there and you can do the cleansing and you can do this the the you know uh spiritual rituals that that will get rid of the entity or something like that but unless people are willing to change their lifestyle it's only going to come back i mean in the cases that we do that's what i find is mostly what's really going on because people have they're maintaining such negativity within themselves they just bring negative things back to them it keeps coming back so or they keep you know well well you know I delved into it and I didn't mean to and then you help them with it and then they're like oh everything's good Oh, I can try this again no you can't you know <laughs> and you keep trying to work with them uh, but if they don't listen in the end there's nothing more you can do to help them so you know I've had that happen too, where you've helped people gotten rid of it, and they turn right back around and do the same thing they did before, thinking they're going to get a different, uh, you know, result. And you go back and you try to help them again. And you try to convince them, no, you can't keep doing this. You got to stay away from this stuff. You got to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're good for a little while, and then it just draws them back in again. They they let their their, their own curiosities get the best of them, and it happens again. And it gets to the point where it's like, if you're not going to change, I can't help you. Don't call me anymore because mm-hmm. I can't keep keep being your your savior you know when you're not listening to me you know uh, and you've got to make that call at some point you know and i'm not talking something that's happened over just a few weeks or a couple months i'm talking about years <laughs> so you know spent a couple of years doing that and it's like i can't help you anymore because you're not listening to me you're not following the advice we're giving you so there's nothing more i can do for you because you won't change you know so you know, you, 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 people have to help themselves beyond what you can do for them. And if they're not willing to, there's really not too much you can, you can help them with. It's tough for people. I mean, t- people hate to change. We hate to change, right? We hate change, right? We want to just be able to do what we want to do and, and still, you know, be okay. But it doesn't always work that way, right? So, um, yeah, you know, we do what we can. And, and, and I just always want to do the best I can to help people.
2: Tell me about your involvement with Haunted Case Files.
1: Haunted Case Files. Um, Geez, when did we first film that? Um, I got the call to do Haunted Case Files after doing Paranormal Survivor uh, Season 2. I did Season 1 and Season 2 of Paranormal Survivor. And they called me to do Haunted Case Files. Excuse me. And I think we filmed that originally back in... The end of 2013. I think it first aired in 2014. And uh, we told all, you know, we they, they asked us, the purpose there was to um, the is more about the investigators and the cases they, they worked on. So we got to tell six of our, our cases. Uh, I wasn't the only investigator on the show, obviously. Um, there was other teams, other investigators, one of which was my good friend Michelle DeRocher. Um And we told our individual case stories about what happened on these cases uh, how we were able to help these people and it was always usually typically about uh, residential cases or historical sites things like that and uh, we did two seasons of that and now haunted case files works those worries worked a little bit different they they like come back every other year. They don't come back every year. They come back every other year. So, uh, I think we did 2014 and then we aired again in 2018. Um I think they actually aired in 20 uh I think the first show actually aired in 2015 or something like that. So, there's a break in between, then we come back, we film again, and I think we we that's right because the the second season came out in 2017. Excuse me, not 2018. 2017. Um and we told. Uh, now, second season was kind of cool because I got to drag a few more of my friends into it. <laughs> with, the, with we sold the same amount of stories. Um, but I, I finally got uh, and convinced uh, my team leader Ellen McNeil to participate. Um, uh, some of the stories mostly revolved around her involvement and my involvement with them anyway. So it just made more sense. Um, our good friend Sharon Kugler, uh, did not come back for season two. She was, did all the shows with me for season one. Uh, but again, that just more figured in because Sharon was more involved with those particular cases we picked out. Um, and Ellen didn't want to do the TV stuff. And then the second year, um, most of those stories really involved Ellen participation anyway. So we, uh, so she had to be on the show. She still didn't want to be, but she had to be because she was more involved with what was going on on those those cases. So she reluctantly went and filmed, and she had a great time. Um, And we just had a blast with it. Uh, We had a nice location to film in. Unlike the previous year, where we were filming in a very cold and uh, unheated... uh, Old uh, school <laughs> so <laughs> Some of us filmed in that And then the, like when Sharon went up to film In like January I think it was Or February She had a film in an old warehouse Which was also unheated So we're filming in like freezing to death we're, we're, we're ne- We can't wear jackets We had to wear just what we Our shirts and stuff And they tried to put these blower heaters on us And it was like oh it's not working So, <laughs> so we froze to death the first year The second year we had nothing Spin nice breakfast location we filmed in had heat and everything so it was, it was which takes location and we had a lot of fun we had we had a good time and uh, those shows are always fun to film you know they really are um, yeah if you saw the behind-the-scenes stuff you, you'd probably get a laugh because there was one point where I was Ellen was uh, uh, filming and I'm just sitting off in the background and and I think it was the first day, so I hadn't had much sleep the night before. I fell asleep while she was doing her part, but I started snoring. So, <laughs> so they had to wake me up because it was like, hey, Jack, you gotta wake up. We can hear you. I'm like, oh, shoot, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. So it was it was funny. Yeah, so, doing- and I, <clears throat> my friend Stacy, our friend Stacy Horton, was with us too because she was involved with one of the stories. And uh, she's nudged me, like, wake up, wake up. <laughs> Jesus, okay yeah i think i sort of snored so loud one time i even woke myself up that was a rough day that was a rough
2: day <laughs> yeah,
1: second we, day not so bad
2: we Again. deal with that with ninja all the time but never with uh paranormal investigators so <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey it was during the day it wasn't night you know you <laughs> speed <laughs> <laughs> up at night uh so it was funny it was, it, was, it was a bit funny so we had some fun with that though but uh Yeah, they're they're, our house media is a good good group to work with. Uh, They always try to tell the stories as close to uh, what you give them as possible, and they're usually about ninety percent, eighty percent, you know, accurate. You know, where the rest, the other part, the the reenactment stuff they do is played up a bit, but hey, expect it, you know expect it of any of the places. So <clears throat> I always say if they're getting it 80% correct, I'm pretty happy with that, you yeah. know, because they modify the stories a bit to fit, you know, to make it more uh, scary or exciting or whatever what they think, you know, it, it needs to be. But uh, if they can keep it that accurate to what really happened, I'm pretty happy with it. You know, TV is, is, is what it is, right? You know, it's it, it, they're never going to tell the whole story 100% accurate never because they just won't you know whether you think it's exciting enough or not they don't they don't they think they, they've got a format they got to follow and they want things to be you know a little bit more exciting you know i i will say this the guy who plays uh, played me on that show um uh uh, we call him Fake Jack. Um, he is much more animated than I am when I investigate. So it probably is more exciting to watch him than me. <laughs> if you're actually watching me investigate. So it's like, oh. I'll be like, uh, hey, did you guys hear those footsteps upstairs? And then he's more like, my God, Ellen, did you hear those footsteps upstairs? It's like watching Jim Shatner play it, you know. <laughs> Bill Shatner play, I'm sorry. So here's, here's uh, my uh,
2: thing. I, you know, I love on the paranormal shows, I love the reenactment type shows. I love like those shows and that you were part of. I love where people sit and tell their stories. Uh, I love the new one that's on Netflix. Uh, was it the uh, Haunted? I love A Haunting. That's one of my, I, I love all those types of shows. I personally don't really get too much into the, um, the ghost hunting type shows that are out there, and it doesn't matter who uh, yeah. or which show. It's not really, you know. I just have a hard time getting into all the, you know, the night vision and you know. Yeah. It's just, it's just not the same. What is your take? Without being specific or mentioning anybody, what is your take on the ghost hunting shows? I
1: you know I I will say this about the when when well ghost hunters was the first thing to come out right I mean that anybody really yeah, the first got into one, yeah. you know uh we all I mean it, that of those type of shows that anybody really got into there was stuff actually that was done overseas in the UK similar right um totally you know just for entertainment purposes because I, I used to watch some of those early on um <clears throat> but I would say this I, I I probably learned some more things about investigating from those type of shows, uh, like the ghost hunter type shows, Um, as far as maybe equipment or techniques or or whatever. Not forget the entertainment portion of it, but the actual watching, you know the investigations or what they did, you know, and you only get to see a small section of it based on that one hour. It's actually 45 minutes a show. Right. So, um, but it did, those initially piqued my interest more into doing that than the other type shows did. Um, other shows I found more entertaining, you know, more fun to watch. You're right about that. The other ones I think are more, a little bit more boring to watch. Um, uh, or maybe it just seems, now it probably seems more boring just because it seems the same old format over and over and over and over again, right? It's like, you know, they, mar- they flooded the market with it, yep. right? So, um, because they are popular, they're still popular, you know? Because uh, there's always a new generation coming that gets into them, right? So, um, but I'm like you. I probably enjoy the other ones more because there's more of a story being told right? Uh, It's storytelling. If you think about it, we always love a a story, right? We always love to be told a good story, right? And those shows like *Haunted Case Files, Paranormal Survivor, they're telling a story. You have someone telling you a story, and then you're getting to see some of that story, right? So you're getting the visual along with the storytelling. And and that's the way mankind has always been always been about the storytelling. Right. Uh, you go far enough back. Uh, they sat around the, the campfires telling the telling the stories. Right. It's, it's built into our genetic makeup, I believe. You know, uh, relaying the 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 events of the hunt, so to speak, way way back, right? Or you know, just you know, telling of an experience and stuff like. So we do love those type of stories much more, um, especially when you get a little bit of visual involved. I mean, look at look at one of the more forget paranormal. Look at the one more one of the more popular shows on television, right? Uh, what is it? If you look at it, one of the most – one of the more popular ones out there right now is uh, the, um, the Oak Island. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you know. I mean, I love that show because every week there's a new story to be told, a new portion of the event, you know, and there's also history. They're still, they're still telling you the story. They're telling you the history of the island. So, you know, uh, it, it, it draws you in more. So I think that's, that's, that's part of the reason, at least I love those shows. They're giving you some history. They're giving you, they're telling you the story and you're hearing it also from the people who were there, right? The people who lived it, right? Because it is happening after the fact. While the other shows are, they're, they're live kind of in a way. I mean, you're seeing it as it happened, right? Um, but this is more of a, this is what we went through. This is what we experienced. This is what happened. Here's what I think, you know. And I think those type of stories just, just draw us in more. I, interestingly enough, I've had other people in the paranormal who have been on the other type of investigator shows tell me the same thing, that they prefer the, the, the haunting kind of shows much more or a haunted case file shows much more um, just because you're not following somebody around in the dark you yeah. know you know it, it's it's a story and you get to see that story unfold
2: jack tell me about one of the cases that you've done that you can that you just really thought this is a fascinating story and kind yeah. just kind of give me a, a uh a brief synopsis of one of those cases without obviously having to divulge who the person is or, or what have you for privacy reasons.
1: God, all my favorites you've already seen on Haunted Case Files. <laughs> who do you
2: think picked them? <laughs> you're, you're making an assumption that I'll watch that show. I'm just <laughs>
1: I, get, I did get to pick my own stories I wanted to tell. Um, for the most part, you know. Um,
2: Break one of them down for us because not everybody has watched the show. Not everybody that's has watched it. That's true, too. I mean, that's that. true,
1: too. But let me pick a, let me pick a case that I, I really connected to. Actually, um, there's actually two. One actually never did get aired because they, they just couldn't afford to do it. Um, yeah, well, and the other was uh, the, the case, the residential case we did in Springfield, Mass. Um, it's also in my book. Uh, one of my books, um, and this individual was experiencing uh, all kinds of activity. He was being scratched. He was being bruised. He was he was being grabbed. He had things moving. He was seeing shadow figures. He was hearing voices. Um, all kinds of stuff going on. This, and he lived in Springfield, Mass. And, and you can read that story, uh, I mean, I'll tell you, but you can also read the story in, uh, Haunting and Demons. It's called, uh, The Forgotten Souls of Bay Path. It's also my comic book, uh, that, that we did. I wrote the story and, and Alex Cormack, a great illustrator, illustrated it for me. Um, so we went there. We got called in to help this, this gentleman. Um, we did a one-night investigation, and, and I never saw anything like it. We experienced, with the exception of anybody being scratched or bruised, we experienced everything he told us about, everything. The voices, uh, shadow figure, which I saw myself standing three feet from me, um, <clears throat> people walking. And there's no and, and, the, and there's nobody there. We could hear the person walking down the, the hallway. It's caught on the audio. We've got all that. It's, that was in the, the the show, Haunted Case Files. Uh, that was on there. That was in season one. Um, but we caught this. We caught the, the audio of this person coming down. We had a disembodied voice of a woman humming. Only one of the investigators who was downstairs at the time heard it. The other person didn't hear it. But it's caught on the audio. It was so loud to her, she thought it was us upstairs humming. And I was like no, we weren't. We were just sitting watching the monitors. Funny thing was, when you watched, when I synced everything up, you watched the monitors, and uh, and you listened to the audio or you watched the footage, DVR footage. Nobody came through there at that time. There was nobody came walked down through there. We had two cameras down in that 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 area one was in the hallway and one was in the living room area because it was like a a finished basement downstairs like an apartment area Mm -hmm. and nobody walked through there nobody nothing on the camera at all
2: is it possible you were snoring no
1: i was upstairs (laughs) awake watching the monitor (laughs) that much i know i was upstairs awake watching the monitor uh at that time um The other two investigators, uh, Sarah and uh, Sharon, both heard, the. and you hear them on the audio talking about it, and you can hear the footsteps, and you can hear somebody, sounds like they go into the bathroom. They would have had to walk right past them, and they're like, there's nobody out there. You know, they're looking out the door from the the guy's bedroom, it's like, nobody just walked by, but it sounds like somebody just went into the bathroom. You can hear the the bathroom door handle jiggle, you know, and, and then nothing. And nothing and it was crazy it was crazy we caught a lot of EVPs there um, and that was the most it does stick out to this day as the most fascinating interesting and and in the end a little bit tragic investigation we ever did um, the, the gentleman was was convinced it was something demonic and we actually had a friend of ours, Becca Boyd, who was a sixth-generation psychic medium, get involved, and she was able to give us a lot of additional information that that made sense to the the, the EVPs and, and other evidence we captured. That it was his his brother and his grandmother who had both passed away, trying to reach out to him um, because of his own issues he was going through, where where he was um, dealing with kidney failure. Um, He probably didn't have too much time left, really. Um, And they were trying to reach out to him. At the same time, there was also something else involved, which really wasn't evil in any way, but it was trying to get his attention. And we actually believe in the end they were trying to reach out to help him because he had served as a nurse in a a local hospital um, just down the road from him. And uh, it used to be the location of the old almshouse. And 300 yards down from his house was Bay Path Cemetery, where all the, these people who had passed at the almshouse, which was for the poor and the forgotten and all that, were buried. And he'd see these shadow figures coming in and out of his, uh, bedroom wall. And when we figured out the direction, it was coming from the, they were coming in now from the direction of the old cemetery, the old pauper cemetery. Now there's no headstones in that cemetery. These people are basically forgotten us, the Forgotten Souls of Bay Path. Um And so in a way, you know, we couldn't convince him of what was really going on. Um, he just felt it was still something evil and demonic, and it really wasn't. There's was just things trying to reach out to him, I think in a way to try to help him be prepared to cross over himself at some point. Um, but he couldn't see it that way. He could not see it that way, and we couldn't help him to see it that way. So in that way, it was a little bit tragic, and it kind of still sticks with me. Um, uh, Hopefully, he did find out in the end what was really going on. I I would assume he did. Um, But yeah, that sticks out to me, because what fed into it was also this this old pauper cemetery, and these people, over a 1,000 people buried in this little plot that's less than half the size of a football field, okay, um, that were totally forgotten about, totally forgotten about, until uh, this one husband and wife uh, brought the location of this place to the attention of the state. state finally put up a fence around it and put up one little sign, and the, the, the township, the, the city of Springfield, uh, uh, put up one headstone. Uh, the Historical Society put up one headstone That is, well, I would say. uh, So I'll say, read my book and see what it says. We actually have photos of it in the book, (laughs) but it it really doesn't address the people that are buried there at all. It's it it gives a a, a one one thing out of the uh, one psalm out of the Bible, and then no mention of the people that are buried there. It just says donated by Springfield Historical Society. They're still forgotten. Even all that's done, they're still forgotten. There's still no mention of, of the people that are buried there. So that, in a way, is tragic, you know. And uh, a little bit of the history, even now, is what we found out, or what I found out in digging it up to write the story, um, which really focuses, in the end, more about these people in the, the, the in Bay Pass Cemetery uh, and less really on the, the, uh, the client. Um we don't do much better than what we used to do with the forgotten people of our society. Um, it's handled a little bit more neatly now in that they are cremated, and in every uh, state cemetery, um, there's an area where their ashes are scattered. And that's it. That's how we deal with the forgotten people of our society.
2: Yeah, my uncle, he worked for the city, uh, before he retired and he actually worked for one of the pauper fields, uh, in yeah. Louisville. And, uh, yeah. he was just telling me about just how many times they'd have to go out there and basically just dig the grave and put somebody in it and nobody ever showed up. Nobody, you know, and it's just like yeah. you said. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, because the state can't spend spend too much time trying to research who these people belong to. Um, let's face it; it's just a fact of of, of the way things are. The state can't spend a ton of money trying to. F- they they do hold the bodies for a period of time. They do try to find uh, family members, um, but they can only do that for so long, and then they've got to they've got to you know move things along, right? So. Um, if they can track the individual, one thing they do is if they can track the individual back, if they served in the military or something like that, they do give them military honors uh, when they bury them. Um, uh, uh, but other than that, if you're not one of those, they basically cremate you and spread your ashes in a certain area of the the, the graveyards. That's it. Jack,
2: There's
1: let, me, let me. Nothing to remember you. Your, your, your name and a number in a book somewhere. That's it.
2: Let me ask you this. This is a, a hard transition, but we'll transition yeah, anyway. Sure. So you, yeah. you're you teaching a class. Yes. What would you advise people to do if they were listening and they want to get into paranormal investigating? What would you advise them to do first step wise to, in order to get into it the right way?
1: First thing I would tell people, if, if they want to get into the paranormal, even forget about my class for a moment. I, I would tell you to do it the way the way me and my team did it. Me and uh, Spirits of New England did it. Um, if you want to get into it, number one, everybody always calls me and say, what, what team can I get on? All right, well, I don't know, and I don't know what teams are, are asking for people and stuff like that, but, you know, it's not the place to necessarily start. Start, forget about the TV stuff shows. You want to find out what it's really about. Go to some of these events where there's teams at, all right? Um, You can talk to those teams. They may be in your area. That may be the best way to connect with them. But talk to these people. um, Find out what they really do, what's really involved with investigating, because it's nothing like what you see on TV. Um, It's completely different. It's a lot more boring. <laughs> Number one. Um, it is, actually. There's a lot more work involved. Um, and it can be fun, you know, but there's a lot more work involved. Uh, but reach out. Some teams even have, like, lectures they hold at local libraries and stuff like that. So check your local libraries for different uh, lectures and stuff that are coming up. See if there's anything Paranormal Wise coming to your local library. It's free. Right? So you can go to that for free. But at least go to a, a local event when it comes up. Meet some of these investigators that are at these events. Talk to them. Even if it's one I'm at, come and talk to me. I'll tell you everything you, you, you'd like to know uh, within time period that I have. Um, and read, too. Find some, some good books on really... Uh, how to investigate the paranormal or about investigating the paranormal. There's some great books out there about some of our, some of our stuff is just stories. And it's not just me. There's John Zaffis. There's... uh, Michelle uh, Bellinger, there's uh, all these people have written books, right, uh, on the paranormal. Pick up some of those books and read them. They'll tell you about some of their cases, what went on, what happened, what they had to do. Um, they're very interesting reads and they also give you some advice on uh, spiritual protection, um, which is important. I mean, people, A lot of people think you just go out, oh, I'm just going to go out and take my recorder and go investigate, right? Um, no. No, I, it's not a really good idea. A lot of people investigate their own home. I get that a lot. I'm like, stop doing that. Stop it. <laughs> you know, um, Because you don't know what you're reaching out to. And you don't know if it's already in your house or not. It could be something that you bring in because we don't know how it all works. Um, just because you're not using a Ouija board doesn't mean you're not opening a spirit conversation. Right, is you're still opening some type of portal. You're still opening some kind of conversation with the spirit world. And we don't know how that works. So let's face it, we really don't. Um, So you don't know what you're calling in or what you're talking to. Um, So I would suggest... Talk to people who have been doing it for a long time. Try to learn from them. If somebody is, and if you have the, the financial means, if somebody is holding a, a ghost hunt or something like that, go to one of those. Okay, uh, Pay the couple bucks. Go to one. Really learn from those people. Don't just go and sit and watch. If you're really interested, ask questions not just of the spirits that are there, but ask the investigator that's holding event questions. How do we do this? How does this work? How does, you know, ask them any questions you have. That's what they're there for. And when I hold my events, that's what I'm there for. Ask me questions. I can't read your mind. I may have some psychic abilities, but I'm not a mind reader. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so ask me questions. That's why I hold these. Ask them. You know, if there's, if there's something you want to learn, tell me, and I will try to show you. And any of these people that hold these events will do that. I can tell you that right now. There's a lot of teams that hold events. Go to them, talk to them. Even if even if you don't want to do that, you know what? If you reach out to, to some of these investigators that are online, and I'm not talking necessarily the ones that are on the big TV shows, they don't have they're not probably gonna have time to answer you. I'll be honest with you. The guys who have their own shows and you see them out there like Jason Hawes and and, and all these other guys, they just they they're running businesses in a way. They don't have time to answer every question that's thrown at them. They just don't. Um, I'm a little bit different. I have a little bit more time and because uh, I'm not running – I don't have my own show. I'm not running a business on the side per se, Um so I will answer your questions. Reach out to me. Uh, ask me a question. The uh, best way to do it is by email, really. That way I can take my time and, and answer your questions properly. But you can text me or message me on Facebook or whatever, and I'll I'll, I'll get back to you. It uh, may not be right away, but or, I, I will get back to you. Or four uh, months. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it takes me a while. <laughs> yeah, it may take me a couple months, but t- t- just hang in there. I will get back to you. I do try to get through everything eventually. Sometimes I miss one, so if I miss it, send it to me. Wait a couple, wait a week or so, and send it again, because um, yeah, I do try to respond to everybody that does reach out uh, with questions and stuff. And I'm also gonna be, like I said, I'm gonna be starting up uh, next week uh, just a one-hour Q and A Q&A session on Facebook. So if you're listening tonight and you actually have some questions uh, on the paranormal and investigating or whatever. I'll be there Tuesday night, 8.30 to 9.30. Uh, It'll be live on Facebook, so reach out with your questions. Uh, I'll try to answer them. Um, But do these things. Reach out to people who are in the paranormal. You don't necessarily join a team right away. I didn't. I spent a couple years just going to things before I was dragged onto a team. (laughs) Sorry, Ellen, you didn't drag me. You found me. I was alongside the road. picked me up um lost puppy um but yeah do 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 that reach out to as many sources read as much as you can uh find out more about it before you try to jump in and start investigating um especially look to your faith whatever your belief system is i'm not talking religion i'm talking whatever you believe in whatever positive thing you believe in um be well-grounded in, in that belief system, in that faith, because you're going to need it to protect yourself spiritually um, when you start dealing with working with spirits and stuff like that, because uh, you don't know what's out there. And, and to me, that is usually the most scariest thing, is you don't know what you're really talking to a- until it finally does reveal itself. So you want to have a strong spiritual belief system. Um strong faith in something so so look to that make sure you are strong in that before you start really delving into that and there's other things you can use too um if you're more in the metaphysical sense of things there's different protection stones and and things like that you can use and and um you know even talk to some of the psychic mediums that are out there the good ones you know there's there's good ones there's bad ones it's like anybody with any abilities or any jobs um and if you don't know who those are, I can recommend some to you, so reach out
2: to me for that, too.
1: That's my suggestion. I don't know if that makes any sense, but...
2: Sure, it does. It makes a lot of it sense. You
1: just, just ramble on. <laughs> <laughs> I do that sometimes.
2: Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, as usual. Thank you. Tell everybody how they can keep up with you, how they can find your books and your TV shows and all that on social media.
1: Yeah, uh, best way to find out anything I got going on. All my books are on Amazon.com or uh, BarnesandNoble.com. Just look up, when you go to those sites, just look up Jack Kenna and you'll see my books show up. Um, uh, Or you can go to my website. uh, I got a new website, jackkenna.org jackkenna.org, just go there, and you can find all my stuff from there. And anything I'm new going on or any of my events I'm going to be at, you can find them there. And yeah, I also post all that stuff on Facebook as well. And our other website where we post a lot of stuff and everything else too is uh, for our team is spiritsofnewengland.org. Again, spiritsofnewengland.org, and you can you can just find me there and everything else you need. And if you do need help, you can reach out to us through any of those, those mediums.
2: Awesome. Thank you, brother. It was good talking to you, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: You too, Jerry. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure.
2: Jack never disappoints. He's always, like, the best guest.
0: Yes, he is. We love him. He's
2: great. So, and, of course, for those of you who don't know, that's Dakota's absolutely favorite um, paranormal, I guess you could say, expert. or mm-hmm. no, just, just out of anybody in the paranormal, that's a, her oh, favorite. Oh, yeah. So.
0: She adores him. And he
2: always spends plenty of time with her whenever we run into him. Yeah,
0: he's he's a sweetheart.
2: All right, guys. Thank you so much. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Bye.